Stay tuned for your regular dose of transparent political discussion, debate, and interviews. And don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you walk your dog to just get out of the house for an hour. Visit villagemagazine.ie for all things village. Hello and welcome to The Village Podcast, Ireland's political and cultural podcast, coming to you from our offices on Ormond Quay, hence the traffic noise. I'm Roisin O'Shea, I'm the freshest face on The Village magazine team, um, and I'm very excited to be involved and in bringing my own perspective on current affairs, giving young people their voice. I am, as you might say, the voice of the generation. Um, and today is June 19th, better known as Emancipation Day, Black Culture Day, or simply Juneteenth. On this day, 157 years ago, slavery ended in the United States and Mexico with the reading of General Order No. 3 by Gordon Granger, General of the Union Army in Texas, the last state to abolish institutionalized slavery, and this anniversary has been celebrated ever since. In recent years, it's gained more traction than ever. Last year, President of the United States Joe Biden made Juneteenth a, fol- a federal holiday. It appears more and more in national media. Many people in the UK observe the holiday in celebration of black culture and remembrance of the atrocities of slavery. So why are we talking about it? Where does Ireland fit into this narrative today and throughout its history? Joining me today to discuss the topic is Ala Majeka Dunmi, broadcaster and journalist, Gail Gore, and co-founder of Beyond Representation, a platform which celebrates women of colour's achievements in arts, media and business. So I guess um, Juneteenth is obviously a discussion that's more established in the US and the UK than it is in Ireland. And I think mm. Ireland often excuses itself from very serious discussions in the history of racism. Uh, I think it sidesteps them by saying, like, you know, it was itself a victim of uh, colonialism and doesn't really have as clear-cut and definable of a role as an oppressive state. Yeah, I suppose definitely in Ireland there is that high level of racism in all kinds of forms. And, you know, a lot of people don't realise that it's there and are very ignorant towards it. I will say that Irish racism is very particular and it comes out from a lot of ignorance and like lack of education as well so you know a lot of this is something that we can learn and educate ourselves on Uh, of course uh, direct provision and the establishment of that is very questionable in pushing people that are seeking asylum into places that are remote that are excluding them from society and they can't even integrate with the Irish society so that's that's really not great for their mental health, for their kind of being in Ireland as well. It's not helpful to anyone, really. And mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of people have been calling that out. And, you know, I do know that they're going to kind of redo the whole direct provision thing in 2023, I think the government said. But again, you do wonder, like, what form is that going to take? Mm-hmm. Is it just going to be called a new thing? We have our own brand and I think it's been really interesting to see um, how we've reacted to um, the influx of refugees from Ukraine. Um, Like, you know, so much effort has been made for people coming over. Um, Like, this, like, wonderful energy of, like, you know, okay, just get people here and, like, it might be a bit... And, like, obviously there's been some issues as well, like, people sleeping on hotel floors. But overall, Mm -hmm. there's been a huge influx of, like, camaraderie Mm -hmm. for white European refugees. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, there's people who've been in direct provision for years, decades. Like, you know, like a few years ago, people were posting the sort of meals that they get given in direct Mm -hmm. provision. And it's, like, a potato and a few spoons of rice. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not as... You can't even make this argument that... 
oh, well, it's the best we can do because suddenly when there's white people, we can do a little bit better. Yeah, and of course there is that double standard. Like um, people have been calling that out as well and it's so clear as well. And I think there was an article recently in The Independent as well about, oh, you know, it's it's okay to have more kind of sympathy towards your fellow Europeans or something like that. And, you know, there was absolute outrage about that. I think Ryan Tuberty as well on his show on RTE said something slightly similar, you know, off the cuff about you know, you see these people, they look exactly like you and you just realise that it could be you too. So I, I suppose these things kind of happen naturally that you see someone that looks like you from the same continent and your reactions are different. But of course, you know, that's not right. You should have that same sympathy for everyone. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's a human thing, I think, as well. And we all have prejudice. And this is the thing that we need to actually call ourselves out on, noticing those biases and how we can actually challenge them. That's the way forward, really, to be honest. But it is really, it does really, it did really struck me and it struck a lot of people that clearly, you know, the government had all these resources to use for people coming into the country for refugees, but they just wanted to use it maybe for a particular group that Mm -hmm. they may see as more vulnerable or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I also find it really interesting. So, you know, um, doing research for this podcast, um, going into like the history of how Ireland related to the Atlantic slave trade, um, I sort of like, yeah, had encountered the idea of like the Irish slaver before but I don't know is it an assumption that I had made or was it the the pattern of language used around it but it was the impression that I had was that it was sort of the odd Irishman who sort of like got quote-unquote above his station and made money in one of the best ways to make money at the time which was to kidnap and sell people um but having looked into it it wasn't the odd guy like there was there was like quite established Irish slaver families like um, in the port in France, Nantes, which was like a really significant slaving port. Um, there were the Walshes, for instance. And I think mm. one of, they have these wonderful like Franco-Hibernian names where he's called like Antoine de Philippe de Walsh. <laughs> um, but one of, I think it's Antoine Walsh sold like 12,000 people in his life, which is like, wow. like, you know, is up there with like the level that like the English and French were selling. Um and then, like, the Brooks, for instance, is a really notorious slaving ship from Liverpool. You know, it's one of the ones where we have these, like, these records of this mathematical precision of people being laid head to toe and, like, absolutely no room uh, anywhere that doesn't mm. get used, um, which was captained for a period by an Irishman. Whoa, yeah. um, and, like, the Royal Africa Company, which is the people who actually go to kidnap the Africans there are a lot of Irish names on that list so it's like Mm. every level from like merchant sitting back on his laurels making money from this to actually going out there and doing the thing to steering the ship um which I just find so interesting because yeah we sort of sit it out and go no 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 Mm. we and you know this like this enduring like Irish slave myth as if we're on the same page but like that's not the history of it yeah and like a lot of people would say you know oh Ireland used to be the blacks of Europe and all that kind of stuff and to be honest I came to realize that terms like that are really not helpful to anyone because what do you mean blacks of Europe like yeah what does that mean that's so derogative to black people especially so I think you know historically you know the black people and Irish you know kind of go hand in hand in terms of you know the racism that was thrown at us you know for example in England you know no no dogs, no blacks, no Irish, and that kind of slogans. So, 
you know, naturally, I suppose maybe the Irish do feel like, oh, you know, we can't be racist because we're one of you, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we've suffered too. But of course, at the end of the day, you know, Irish people are white, you know, native Irish people anyway, excuse me, are white. And, uh, you know, there is then going to be racism against people of colour and there is a hierarchy, no doubt, you know, mm-hmm. as someone of a immigrant background, you do feel like you're a second class citizen in the country, to be honest. And regardless of, you know, whether I speak Irish or whether I'm an Irish citizen or whatever, at the end of the day, all people see is my skin colour and they're going to judge me on that. And they're going to judge how, before I even speak, they're going to judge how I probably speak. They're going to judge where I live. They're going to judge uh, my job, whatever it is. They've mm-hmm. already made their assumptions. So it really, there's obviously really a lot of more work to do. You know, people kind of see people like myself as new Irish. And, you know, that's kind of problematic as a term as well, because what's so new about us you know black people have always been in Ireland actually and if you look at the mixed race community you know half black half Irish as well you know that's that's throughout history really mm-hmm. to be honest and even like someone like Rachel Baptiste you know she was a black woman a singer in the 1750s no one could possibly believe that so mm-hmm. these are things that we don't know of that we're not taught in school or whatever mm-hmm. you know we're kind of taught in school that oh racism is in America it's in wherever you know it's not in Ireland because it wasn't they feel like it wasn't historically here but you know as the country has changed and become more diverse and more multicultural yeah, of course that's going to be that issue. And again, like, look at the traveling community as well. You mm-hmm. know, the discrimination against them is racism. You know, they're a recognized ethnic minority since 2017. So, you know, we've always had this issue. We just never really realized it and just ignored it. Yeah, I guess we sort of go, oh, but that's not proper racism like mm. the big bad Americans do. <laughs> um, well, yeah, well, so yeah, like speaking of like, school and personal experiences and stuff Juneteenth is obviously a time for like recognizing black people and people of color's experiences so what would have been different for you growing up in Ireland being black instead of white Mm. yeah I mean growing back sorry growing up in Ireland back in the day again like nobody people just tolerated you to be honest like nobody was really thinking oh you know it's great black people are here in Ireland. Like, people were just like, what are they doing here? Kind of thing, do you know? Mm-hmm. Like, my parents came here in the late 90s in 1997, and that was just a different time. That was a different country. Mm-hmm. And the level of racism they face is like no other, like, compared to what my generation faced, or just me in particular. So, you know, things have changed. Like, when I kind of look at it, I, I do feel, like, more proud of my identity as a black woman, uh, of Nigerian heritage here. You know, growing up, I think I just wanted to fit in, to be honest, especially, mm-hmm. you know, going to all Irish schools as well. I suppose there wasn't as much diversity, particularly in my secondary school, as opposed to the primary school. So, yeah, I mean, you just wanted to fit in. You just wanted to wear Abercrombie or whatever it is, like everybody else. <laughs> if you could afford it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so, I mean, obviously, like, your experiences are unique to you, they're personal, but would you say that they're fairly, like, typical and representative of what 
most people of colour growing up in Ireland experience and grow up with? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak as a whole of what all people of colour experience, to be honest, because there's different levels to this. Um, There's a lot of Afrophobia, particularly in Ireland, to Mm -hmm. be honest. And for anyone that doesn't know, that's fear against people of African descent. So I do think there's a hierarchy when it comes to racism. I think for black people, it's at the very bottom of the scale. Okay. And, you know, studying people or theorists like Franz Fanon, you're aware that this is an anti-black world, you know, and as black person Fanon says, you this there's this kind of pathological behavior. You're trying to kind of act as much as possible as a white person, even subconsciously as well, uh, just to fit in, just for people to have that respectability for you as well so yeah he has yeah. that he has that blackface white mask yeah exactly the earth. Yeah. yeah brilliant piece of text and yeah I suppose for a lot of people I guess it's just trying to fit in I think now we're becoming more confident in our voice as minorities and we're just being ourselves and if you just even look at the music scene for example like just the wide range of diversity in the music scene right now especially kind of more maybe urban uh, genres. Look at Denise Chyla, for mm-hmm. example, you know, making absolute waves. So, yeah, I suppose particularly for the African community or black community, like for us, we were just, I suppose growing up, we were just kind of looked at like as, oh, these poor people, poor Africans that, you know, supposedly poor that came to Ireland for whatever reason and, you know, tried to take our jobs and all this kind and of stuff. And our women. Yeah. <laughs> Spongers and all that. So, yeah, there's a lot of ignorance like that. It still is there. If you go online, you can see it. <laughs> yeah, and then I guess, like, it probably varies massively, like, you know, depending on, like, your economical background as well. Like, you know, if you grow up, like, middle class in Dublin, you're going to experience a different kind of racism than mm. you are if you're, like, out in the back end of nowhere. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's an anecdote in my family. Um, my father grew up in, you know, a town in Roscommon, quite small, and there was one black girl in the town went to the secondary school and the uniform was flesh-coloured tights, things mm-hmm. like that, where she has to rock up and go, okay, cool, who's flesh? Like, mm. um, so, yeah, and I guess, like that's the sort of thing that like might be a hit on the head a bit more in a city where people are like I don't know like Dublin has this thing you know it wants to be like a continental city and copy Mm. places like London where there are people of colour and Paris where there are people of colour and like you know there's issues there as well but like you don't turn your head on the street when you see someone Mm. who's not white like yeah and I just want to quickly say like yeah I totally acknowledge that I sort of have that privilege everyone has privilege again you know Uh, that you know I grew up in the city in Dublin and you know I didn't face the absolute most horrible racism to be honest and you know even just particular areas as well that would be more middle class as well Mm -hmm. growing up there and the schools I went to it this racism is more subtle you know it's not kind of calling you out calling you the n-word and all that kind of stuff so of course everyone's experiences are different in that degree yeah but then maybe it ends up um like uh, yeah, like you end up with more microaggressions, I suppose. Mm. Like there was a really wonderful phrase in um, that film that you made, um, What Does Irishness Look Like? I um, can't remember the name of the woman who was speaking, but she talks about well-meaning microaggressions, mm. um, which, yeah, I think, yeah, really hits the nail on the head in terms of the kind of racist that Irish people think they are. Like they think they're being quite sweet and kind, but it's actually quite insidious and therefore like, difficult to deal with I guess yeah definitely yeah and that's the thing like you know even if you ask the question where are you really from 
I know that's coming from a well-meaningful place from a lot of people, but for us as people of color, it's just kind of like you're asking, you're you're othering us, and it's like you're asking like where are you re- originally from, where are you actually from. And I, I don't mind the question where you're originally from. It doesn't come up for me too much anymore, actually. But like before when, you know, people would ask me where am I from and I say Dublin, you know, they kind of get shocked. But like, it's just kind of like, where have these people been? Like, have you not seen the country has changed yeah, over the yeah, last yeah. 20 years? <laughs> like, of course, there's going to be people like me with Irish accents and stuff. Yeah. And it's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Like, yeah, I remember when I was like 18 and just in college, um, I remember being in a society and one of the guys there was black Irish and he sounded like he was also from Bray. Mm. And I was like, where are you from? And I saw this like IRL where he was like, oh, you know, my mother's from Nigeria. And, da, da, da. and I was like, oh God, no, it's just, I thought you might be from down the road from me. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, because fucking of course, like, because like, like it is going to end up being a loaded question because so many people load it with meaning and then go like, mm. oh no, but I mean like, da, da, da. yeah, um, it's usually quite awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I was just like, I'm really sorry. I just, okay. And he still hadn't answered. He just gave me, yeah, like his family back out. And I was like, but are you from Bray? Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, mm. so something that I was wondering watching your film is, um, you know, there's a lot of people on it who are like, you know, I am both Irish and Chinese I am both Irish and Nigerian and I was wondering like you know do you feel like there's much of a sense of of choosing a side like is it hard for people of color in Ireland to say that they are both do they feel like they have to be loyal to being Irish or being something else yeah that's a really good question because to be honest there is that struggle I won't lie it's like um it's like competition almost like it is hard because you want to be kind of honorable to both in a way in a sense and I assume for me as well like people kind of assume I'm assimilated so much just because I have Irish language and that I've forgotten my Nigerian roots and like that's totally not true like literally when I'm at home like just here in Dublin like at home like it's literally Nigeria you know <laughs> like I'm, it's not like that's it like I grew up you know speaking my mother tongue Yoruba and all that kind of stuff and you know I'm very much tied to my culture and I think it's just a matter of integration like when you're in a maybe new country or whatever you to a certain extent it is good of course like merge yourself in the two cultures because if you just merge yourself in one it's not really helping you grow as a person and it, I think it does hinder you a bit to be honest so you know I always say that interculturalism rather than multiculturalism is the way forward for Ireland because with multiculturalism as we've seen in Britain there's so many people different communities but they're all separate look at London they're all separate they're mm. not together they're not learning from each other and to be honest I think that's what Brexit came out of just people misunderstanding how the country had grown and just having a hatred towards it so it is really about education and you know people need to teach this in schools I'm always saying that online like go to primary schools go to secondary schools third level as well and tell people you know about the different cultures different religions and just for people to have that understanding so they're not scared of it because you can definitely tell when you meet someone that they're not used to speaking to a black person or you know whatever religion and 
it just hinders people's growth, doesn't it? Because mm-hmm. for a lot of people, when they first go to third level, you know, if you go to a college like UCD, for example, so multicultural as a college, mm-hmm. so many different people. But if you're not used to that, it's almost like, oh, who are these people? How do I talk to them? Kind of thing. There's that awkwardness. So the change does need to start at like primary level. Mm. Yeah, I definitely see that in like, like a lot of like, because obviously like I'm based in Sligo um, and uh, I go to the Atlanta Technological University there and it's quite, yeah, diverse. Um, But you can see that there's these kids who've like grown up in rural communities who are like, fuck, I really hope I'm not a racist. I really hope it doesn't turn out that I, you know, like they're like, worried they're gonna say something wrong or act wrong and sometimes people slip up by like trying too hard um Mm. like you know incidents where like there's one black person in the room and suddenly everyone turns to them about something and they're like I did not ask this fucking question leave me out of this but they're trying so hard and sort of like slightly misguided because yeah they don't know how to interact because it's not n- normal it's like a thing for them that they're thinking about and worrying about like because yeah of this lack of integration i guess mm. um yeah and i just want to come in there quickly like even just having these conversations with your loved ones or friends like my boyfriend is white for example and we're always having conversations about race so openly i know not every interracial couple is maybe open to that but like we just kind of like naturally do it and just enjoy it as well and yeah i think you have to have, like, friends around your loved ones that, like, are open to those conversations as well. Because in mm-hmm. the past, like, I've had people close to me that don't want to have those conversations. And it's like, like, what's that about? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah, where do kids? Don't mm. know where to go from here. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think what's nice about Juneteenth as an anniversary is that you know, obviously it's, like, to remember victims of slavery and to overcome racism, but it's also it has a more positive side of like a celebration of like black culture. Um, So something I wanted to ask you about is, yeah, like black culture in Ireland. Like I know that you've presented several radio programs about, Mm. um, about Gaelic music and black Irish music. I am an enormous fan of Irish grime. So I am like quite excited by the things that are coming out. Um, But so, yeah, I basically, I'm wondering what you think is the sense of, black culture in Ireland like is there a strong community is it quite marginalized or is it quite mainstream do you feel like it's promoted well enough or yeah this is the thing like black Irish culture I'm not sure if that's yet a thing to be honest Mm -hmm. it's growing it does want to become a thing but we're still kind of maybe looking at like Britain and America because we felt feel like they kind of set the trend for how a black person is to be so Mm -hmm. I think once we kind of become more confident in ourselves and what we can do then you know that culture will grow you know it's still early days here to be honest like to be honest it's only over over the last 20 years that this change has really happened to be honest you know when inward migration came in in the late 90s so Mm -hmm. it will happen one day just gradually and you know people always compare Ireland and Britain and I just find that kind of comparison really just not helpful at all because like they're on another level in terms of multiculturalism it happened during the wind rush you know 60s and everything so yeah it's a different story (laughs) yeah it's funny that you mentioned that yeah there's this sort of like following of like um American and British trends because that's a thing that I've noticed is a lot of like Irish grime MCs will sort of do like a London accent. Mm. They don't feel like they can spit in their own 
voices, which is just like, then means that they just end up being just another dude doing grime, like, and not, not sort of representing Ireland. Like they're, yeah, they're following what is already established. Um, and I, just, yeah, and I mean that happens naturally as well. Like you know, it's it's no harm to anyone really, but I suppose it's just it's just being confident in yourself and use I think a lot of people just think oh an Irish accent isn't cool to use to, for rap and I suppose even white Irish rappers feel that as well but I think that's changing um bit by bit I mean if you look at Mango I love oh my way. god I was gonna say yes. I remember oh. the first time I realized you could say Jesus wept in a rap I was like oh my god <laughs> yeah like he's fab like I love the way he uses his Dublin accent in his rap like yeah you know, it's incredible so original. Yeah, yeah I didn't fucking know you could do that what Mango and Math Matter like my fucking life yeah. Like, I, yeah I went to see them they opened for oh, Wiley yeah. a couple of years ago now um and like since then I've just been like oh my god you guys have to check these out blah, blah, blah. but I remember like just fucking Wiley like has gone off the rails a little bit but he came out right and just went big up to the people who were in the room before me like didn't even know their yeah. names and it's like dude everyone's here for Mango and not for, kind of for you but not only for you like it's primarily a Mango gig you should know his name <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh yeah because then you just ended up being like angry at his sound guy and walking off after like 15 minutes but anyway <laughs> that has nothing to do with Juneteenth that's just like I'm bitter about my, my Wiley gig that I went to <laughs> Give me a text for the next grime gig, I'll come. Yeah, be like, come on, let's go. Yeah, we'll get real sweaty and bouncy. It'll be awesome. Um, so, yeah, so I guess, like, if you had to sum up, like, what do you feel like are the core issues surrounding racism in Ireland today? Yeah, I mean, hmm, that's a big question because there's a, there's a lot of things, like, under the carpet as well that you feel like you can't really call out, you can't put your finger on it. But I would say that just accept people of colour that grew up here as Irish, you know. Our everyday experiences are, are Irish, we're Irish. And, you know, identity isn't fixed, so people can be whatever they want to be. And, yeah, I suppose... Just be open to educating yourself open to noticing your white privilege know that everybody has their biases and it's all about unlearning things and we're all just growing as people nobody came out of the womb being woke that's what I always say like (laughs) we're all just learning these things and need to unlearn them as well so yeah and where do you feel like yeah like growth and progress is most visible in Ireland at the moment yeah, I think the music scene, I think the DNI conversations, you know, I just did a diversity and inclusion talk actually with Central Bank and that was really um, open and they were really warm and it just see- shows that like so many organisations are so open to having this conversation. I do think people need to be mindful of how they go about diversity and inclusion because I feel like sometimes it comes across just, you know, inauthentic and yeah, you just feel that you're just there because of the colour of your skin. So that's not really So it ends great up being feeling. more like a tokenism. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it, you'd like to be there on your merit. So that's important. I think also for the media, especially, don't have black people on just to talk about racism. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have called that out online as well. So just have people come on and talk about their achievements or whatever they're working on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nice one. Mm. Um. That's all of the questions I've prepared. Did you want to talk... You were saying over text that you had stuff you wanted to say about America as well? Oh, yeah. Or... 
don't you don't have to, to just yeah. if you, if you'll go home and be like fuck oh i'll just say something quickly um i think since black lives matter in 2020 when george floyd was murdered a lot of people over the world especially in ireland like kind of opened up a lot about conversations around racism and it honestly felt so refreshing it felt like trauma coming off our shoulders because like when else did we get the chance you know to talk about all the racist stories that happened to us mm-hmm. you know so it was, it was really great for the mind to be honest <laughs> yeah the people yeah. were finally turning and asking and listening mm-hmm. like yeah and like so many people from like old friends as well, like getting contact saying, you know, gosh, I didn't know about this. I'm here for you and stuff. And I thought that was really touching, to be honest. And it just showed as well, like, you know, who are your real supporters and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a great experience, I thought, yeah. in another way, obviously. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was all positive. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a million for coming in, Ada. Um, and thank you, everyone at home, for listening. And if you want to follow, uh, more of Ala and her work. She's currently undertaking a six-month residency with Axis Bellymun, where she'll be exploring themes of identity, exclusion, and belonging via online discussions, performance, and filmmaking. So we'll get to see more of her super cool stuff. Um, and if you want to see more of our super cool stuff, you can listen to more episodes of our podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And for everything else village-related, go to villagemagazine.ie.